Hey, this is Benita Friderici, and you're listening to Chuck versus the Podcast. Hi, my name is Graham Jones, but you can call me Gray. This is my show. It's about Chuck. It's filled with interviews, the latest news, crazy co-hosts, and spoilers that'll make your day. Oh, wait, wait, I need to go back. I host these TV nights. They used to be pretty boring, but everything changed when I found NBC's new show, Chuck. Pretty soon, my TV night got pretty crowded. Guys I didn't even know were showing up the door. Big important guys. Really scary, nasty, get killed for hosting them guys. Next thing I know, these super episodes are downloaded into my brain. Which means every moment of my life, I'm thinking about Chuck. ChuckTV.net sent their top people to protect me. That's Mel and Liz. They're pretty zany. They co-host with me now as a cover. So now I must welcome you to Chuck vs. the Podcast. The number one TV podcast for NBC's Chuck. This is Gray. This is Mel. And this is Liz. And one welcome you to Chuck vs. the Podcast, episode 23 for Sunday, June 21st, 2009. I want to thank everybody for all your well wishes, especially at ChuckTV.net. Um, I am back. I'm on the mend and uh, should be at 100% real soon. That's good to hear. That is. Yeah. Well, we don't have a lot of commentary in this episode because the majority of it will be our interview with the very engaging Benita Friederici, who plays General Beckman on Chuck. But we do have some Chuck news to share, so let's get to that. That's right. We want to talk about Chuck Meme Mondays, which are underway right now. And to keep things hopping during the long break until Season 3 launches in March, we're watching Chuck from the beginning every Monday. And we started with Chuck versus the pilot on June 1st and um, are watching one episode per week while commenting on ChuckTV.net and Twittering with each other. And uh, we've had three successful viewing parties so far and hope you will plan to join us this Monday at 9 p.m. Eastern for Chuck versus the Wookiee. You can find more details at ChuckTV.net. Come on and join the fun. We are having a lot of fun. It's amazing. You know, Gray, I know when you were talking on the um, the CNN a save our show campaign you mentioned that this is such a community show and i i agreed with you at the time but now watching it with this vast online community it really you know uh, strikes home how how accurate that is because we are having so much fun watching it yeah. together mm-hmm. now i was reading something at chucktv.net about how uh, it was even ranking really highly in the twitter numbers it is. There's this thing called trending on Twitter so that when a, a lot of people are talking about the same thing, it'll start trending. And if you're on the Twitter.com website, you'll see on the right-hand side there's a column that says trending, and it'll have 10 different – it'll have the top 10 um, like keywords. Mm-hmm. And so what we do is we use Check Me Mondays as our tag. Mm-hmm. So when you, you're commenting about the episode, you put the hashtag and then Check Me Mondays, and that counts it. Um, for that that trending topics uh, application, and so far we've we've trended every Monday. Wow, we've trended that yeah. So and we've been up against some pretty steep competition. We had um, this most recent one was uh, the Iran elections. Wow. Yeah, we we trended to number seven there, and some people were saying, oh, we only got to number seven. Well, you know, there are yeah. some more important things in the world to check, but to to trend to number seven up against that conversation. Was pretty good. Um, we, I think, our highest was number four, and wow. that was the fir- our our first Monday, I think. But um, and that was up against um, Apple's iPhone re- um, release. Uh, so yeah, we're doing pretty well, and that's worldwide, you know. So we're we're doing pretty good. We're getting in the top ten. 
Very, very cool. I do have an idea. A, a number of us might be late in the game, like myself, with my health issues. I wasn't able to get started along with everybody else. And uh, I had an idea that, you know, three Chuck episodes take about the same amount of time as a movie that you might see in the theater. So why don't you actually host a Meet Chuck night? And as a matter of fact, even if you might have gotten started with the Chuck Me Mondays, and then you have a new group of friends that you want to introduce, have a Meet Chuck night and get a whole bunch of people out and watch the first three episodes in a row. I know when I've done that with people, they are immediately not not only hooked, but they're they're just, you know, gung-ho for the show. And that way, you could very quickly catch up to the Chuck Me Mondays group and, and join in with everybody along with uh, the, the right episode. We've actually had some comments from people also saying, well, I don't know that I can stop with this episode tonight. I'm going to have to watch, you know, one or two more. But, yeah, a meet check night to catch up would be a great idea and um, highly recommend it. Because of that, also because of that um, trending Twitter topics, we, we've we grabbed a few more people uh, who are saying, you know, what's this Check Me Mondays? What's this all about? And, and then, you know, of course we tell them and they start watching the episode with us and now they're hooked. Yeah, and absolutely. Make, make sure that when you do have your Chuck nights and inviting and are inviting people over, that you tell them about all the other ways that they can support the show. Uh, tell mm-hmm. them about the podcast. Tell them about ChuckTV.net. Tell them about the, the Twitter campaign and, and uh, watching at NBC.com and all those other ways that, uh, that they can support. Let's multiply our efforts. That's yes. right. That's the whole point. That's right. Yeah. And speaking about multiplying... Um, the podcast has been doing great. Um, over the course of the fan campaign, our listeners went from about 15,000 to 70,000, which is a oh. huge, huge jump. As as Zach would say, that's freaking awesome. <laughs> However, the uh, the flip side is that we've had to upgrade our server and also pay for a ton of extra bandwidth. I, I won't say the exact amount, but you need four digits to make the number. Mm-hmm. And uh, one of our issues is that most people access the podcast by iTunes, so per-click advertising at chuckpodcast.com doesn't work very well. That's why you won't see it on the site. Our numbers are, are, are very low, for instance, compared to fan sites that have forums and, and things like that. And, and for us, Chuck TV, chucktv.net really acts as, as that. Um, if people have asked about this. You absolutely still can and do use iTunes to access a podcast, but make sure you also bookmark and visit the site. And on the main page, you're going to find something called donations. Um, we've re- received a few donations so far. Thank you very much for, for those who have donated, but we need quite a lot more to uh, to help to support the the podcast. Um, we we really, really need your help here uh, because it's, 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 it's become a big amount and it is a lot more than just a little hobby project now. <laughs> Mm, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And we're really excited that we not only have donations, but there's a couple of other cool things. Yeah, we have a merchandise line uh, for Check Versus the Podcast at cafepress.com slash Chuck TV. If you click, uh, if you go to that URL, you'll see a section that says Check Versus the Podcast. And if you click through to that, we have two different lines of merchandise that you can purchase. Uh, to display your love of Chuck versus the podcast, and then the podcast will get a little bit of a kickback as well to help uh, with our server fees. And it is some really cool stuff. I want to. I want one of everything. <laughs> I know. We have to say thank you so much again to Chad, um, the Chuck fan who designed the logos that you'll see 
when you get there. He also provided um, a lot of the graphics for the Watch, Buy, Share, Write campaign to renew Chuck and, and a few other things. He's uh, he's just a genius when it comes to this, and it's usually without us even asking. He'll just basically say, you know, I see what you tried to do there, but how about this? And it's like a thousand times better. So oh, yeah. <laughs> thanks to him for that. Thanks, Chad. And, and we also have another way that you can support us, which um, I know everybody wants to buy the Chuck DVD. Lots of people want to buy the Chuck comic book, etc. And since you're going to be buying them anyway, you might be buying them at Amazon.com. If you're going to buy them there, you might as well buy through us and then we get a little bit of a kickback. So if you go to ChuckPodcast.com, there's a link with a little mini Amazon store called, wait for it, Chuckazon where you can buy Chuck-related items from Amazon, but we get a little kickback. So please, if you're going to buy anyway, might as well buy through us, and, and then you can help support the podcast. That's right. And we appreciate your support, um, and we hope to keep bringing you the uh, podcast for years to come and seasons to come. Mm-hmm. All right. And now on to our main event, which is my chat with Benita Friederici. Um, she very graciously took about an hour out of her day and talked with us about her character in particular and Chuck in general. So we hope you enjoy it. I'm good. I'm, 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 I'm good. I'm surrounded by my two cats at this moment. Ah. One of whom, she needs to go have an ultrasound today. So oh. I, um, you're not supposed to feed them eight oh. hours before they have to go in. So but she's really loving you right now, isn't she? Oh, God. Everywhere I go, she she has hopped up. When I was trying to sleep, she hopped up on my head seven times. Aw. I know, poor little thing. And, and now her, her brother doesn't understand what's going on either, so they're just both sitting here staring at me. How are you? I'm doing pretty good, thanks. Okay. Oh, no, no cat problems over here, thank goodness. Do you have kitties? Um, my I lost my kitty last summer. Oh. After gosh, she was sixteen, so she was she was ready to go, and I was ready to let her go. But I haven't been able to get myself to get another cat yet. So I'm sorry. That's what I'm worried about. My girl's fifteen, and yeah, have you to know, look into some things here. Yeah, she probably my my cat just was an idiot. So she did some stupid things like getting hit by a car and getting in fights with cats twice her size. So, you know, she kind of brought it on herself. What a little scrapper <laughs> she is. She what? was a little scrapper. She's this cute little white with a little pink nose, you know, just dainty looking little thing. And But, yeah, she could give you a death glare like no one, nothing else I've seen. That's what my husband says about me. <laughs> Scrappy? No, I can give him a death glare like oh. no one's ever seen. Yeah. We call it the hairy eyeball. <laughs> awesome. Oh, okay. Well, shall we shall we get on with the uh, the questions? Did they send you the questions? They did. I okay. love you that you, you do that because it really allows me the time to to yeah. you know think, which is great. Yeah, we had uh, such a great response from from the little bit that we got of you in our rally podcast that we just knew we had to do something, so we wanted to make sure we got some good questions in there. Excellent. I think they're fabulous. Good. Okay. Well, I'm going to start it as though we just started talking. Okay. And then we'll go from there. All right. 
This is Mel with Check Versus the Podcast, and I am here with Benita Friedrici, also known as General Beckman. So welcome, and thank you again for taking the time to talk with us. Oh, a great pleasure. I'm delighted to speak with you. And by the way, I like to call her General Diane Chuckles, in quotes, Beckman. <laughs> and why is that? Because she's got such a tremendous sense of humor, cracking one joke after another, laughing at all of Chuck's jokes, you know. She's, uh-huh. just, she's just one one big bag of laughs. I tell you, that's exactly who we see on screen, too. Chuck- I thought so. <laughs> well, the fan response to our rally podcast was very positive in general, but we received the most comments about you. Every, really? Everybody, everybody was wanted more Benita. <laughs> well, so... I'll, I'll pass that on to my husband too. Everybody <laughs> wanted more Benita, John. Yeah. No, that's delightful to hear. I'm, I'm, I'm very happy to hear that. And thank you so much for for doing this podcast. I really, you know, I think you you found out talking to everyone who works on the show just how special an experience it is for everyone. So. And that makes it a special experience for the fans too, because we know you guys are having as much fun making it as we're having watching it. I know. I think that's tr- tremendous. I'm glad that 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 carries across onto the screen too. Well, let's start at the beginning, shall we? Shall uh, we? Yes. yes, you've been working steadily. I was looking at your IMDb um, uh, resume, and you've you've only been working in television and film for about twelve years. But my goodness, you've got more credits than people that have been in the business for fifty years. Well, you know, sometimes when you start later, uh, it's <laughs> you're making a very strong choice. And um, actually, my husband John did kind of my, the same thing, and, and to even a, a greater degree. He came down here, I think, in uh, about 15 years ago, and sort of dove headfirst into the TV and film thing because both of us came. And we had we met down here, but both of us have uh, very big theater backgrounds. Mm. But you know, for me, I, I had been working in theater, working in a number of, of theater companies. I've been directing, and uh, I was also I was. Uh, substitute teaching in the L.A. Unified School District to offset the fact that theater doesn't pay. Bless your heart. At one point, I know, middle school, at one point my sister said to me, you know, honey, I wouldn't want you teaching my sons, my nephews, whom I love. uh, (laughs) Oh, dear. And and she was right. I mean, I hadn't the proper background. You know, I've been doing it off and on for years, and I was very well-intentioned. And I think um, in terms of, like, dealing with children well and being supportive, I was good. But in terms of actually passing along the appropriate information, <laughs> not so much. And so, you know, it was kind of that, that turning point of, you know, I really should get serious about teaching and, and go back to school, or I should get serious about acting and make some money. Mm-hmm. And the thought of going back to school <laughs> was more than I could bear. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I kind of dove head first into trying to figure out how to, how to you know, get work as a TV and film actress. And, you know, I had an incentive, so sure. I, and I, I think I got darn lucky, you know. Well, I was surprised when I was looking at your resume at all the different things you've done um, that kind of led up to Beckman, General Beckman. It's been a pretty diverse career. Um, what, <laughs> you could is, say that. <laughs> yeah. What first interested you in acting? Well, you know, I started when I was really little, Um not in any way that anyone would know. It wasn't like I was, you know, a, a famous child actor. But you know, when I was uh, ten years old, both my sister and my uh, brother uh, did acting in in high school. Mm-hmm. They're both artists. My sister's now a doll maker. My brother, who has passed away, was a fabulous uh, fine artist. But they both did did uh, drama in high school. And I, you know, I was six, four, and six years younger than than my sister and my brother. And I got kind of, you know, 
roped into doing all their little plays in our house and things like that. Interestingly enough, my brother, who's gay, always played the evil witches and things <laughs> when we were little, which I loved. Um, and then my brother was doing Fiddler on the Roof at his high school, and he was p- playing the Taylor model Camsoil, and they needed a little girl. So he brought me in, and I came in and met the, the director, and I had my little teeny purse that just had a little brush in it, as I remember. And uh, he asked me what I had in my purse, and I pulled out the brush, and that was it. I got the part. Um, <laughs> Uh, and so, you know, after that, I just, I really liked it. And, you know, I, oddly enough, was a very, very shy child. And uh, I had bucks overlap front teeth, and I, I, I still to this day, I get really nervous around people. I don't, it comes from my mother. And the idea of being, and I was kind of like a little perfect goody two-shoes and, you know, kind of straight-A student. And the idea of being able to act out the other parts that we live in life mm-hmm. was really good for me. You know, I think I recognized really early on that psychologically I needed something to to, to help me. And I, I kind of stuck with acting. I did it all through high school and, and college. And then that led to theater work? It did. Because then... I was just being that shy, kind of frightened kid. I I didn't know how to go about getting an agent. I was really scared of that. And rather than do that, I just... <laughs> did play after play after play. Sometimes I'd do five or six plays a year, you know. Wow. Three, three at once. Yeah, it's pretty That's, intense. Yeah. I love it. I mean, I love theater. Mm-hmm. It's addictive, I've heard. a wide range of roles. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. So your turning point then was substitute teaching in L.A., and that prompted you to head toward uh, TV and film seriously. Well, I started substitute teaching when I was 23, which is not one of the brighter things I ever did. I... Um, Right around that time, I was very lucky, and I was cast in a production of Tartuffe at um, what is now defunct, but it was called the Los Angeles Theater Center, which is in downtown L.A. on Spring Street, and that was like this really interesting experiment. Uh, it was four theaters in one building that was an old bank building, so you would have four plays going on at once, and they, you know, you'd have audiences spilling out from a musical, spilling out from, you know, an experimental piece, spilling out from, you know, a period piece, all getting to to talk to each other and experience it. And they had really, really amazing um, actors that would would work there for Peanuts because it was such an interesting place to work. And so I was lucky enough to get cast in this production of Tartuffe when I was 23, 24, and it was starring uh, Jessica Walter Mm. and uh, Ron Liebman, who are husband and wife, and at that time were were very well-known actors, and I got my equity card. And... uh, but what I realized is that I was, you know, absolutely scared to death of how you got, you know, an agent and how you did all the things you were supposed to do to get a TV and film career. So I, I stayed safely hidden in, in theater, and I needed to um, get my insurance, you know, health insurance and things like that because I promised my parents. And, you know, I stumbled upon substitute, substitute teaching in Los Angeles. So at 23, I started doing that in between my theater career. And it's just it was just so silly because back then I would substitute for high school classes in East LA, you know, where the kids are 18 years old and I'm mm-hmm. 23 and, you know, they just walk up to me and go, go, you know, I'm walking out in this and don't, don't stop me. <laughs> You're like, okay. Yeah. Hi, I like you. Uh, hope I don't know how to do this. So I did that on and off for about 12 years. Wow. wow. That's impressive. I, well, I got uh, better at, at it. <laughs> I was, yeah, I'm sure. Uh, out of necessity. Uh, yes. I, actually, it's funny because if you think about it, I think about this a lot. Much of what I do as General Beckman is based on what I used to do to control classrooms. Mm. That side of me, that I mean, I'm kind of a little, you know, 
I'm not like, I'm not particularly strict in my own personal life, but that side of me that had to, to, you know, when you have a classroom with 40, you know, 12 year old boys and girls here that aren't going to, you know, listen to you and don't want to listen to you because for one thing, you're not their real teacher if you stepped into the classroom. You have to be able to, with with one look, let them know that you're not messing around. And if they move, they will be sent to the principal or or whatever. And I kind of refine that to an art. At my height, I could walk into a classroom and everyone would just go to their seats and sit down. Nice. nice. I know. I would. They yeah. used to have me train other subs, and the subs would be like, "Why are they doing that?" And I'd say, "You know, <laughs> I, I I used to spread rumors. I used to have the kids that really liked me. I'd say, go tell everyone that you just don't cross Miss Friderici.'" And Excellent. they would spread it around the school. So I got this huge reputation, but but they loved me. But you know, yeah, I knew how to draw a line, and I do use that as Beckman. I can see that. Yeah, now that you say it, she is kind of the very strict school teacher. Yes, slash mom. Slash, yeah. Particularly, particularly with Chuck. Yes, she needs to be sometimes. Well, yeah, because he's just, he is, he's like a, a big kid. Yeah. Actually, they all are, and it's funny. It's like the little boy and the little boys and little girls when they when she has to talk to him when they're in the the castle. It's like you know, then the little boys are playing with the little girl, and they need not to. You know, you have to keep them in separate rooms. <laughs> yes. Mm-hmm. And going off on their own, and you've got Casey who wants really you know wants to mind mom, and his two siblings are not. Yes, and that's what's so perfect, like, about when they, the episode they wrote, the, the Chuck versus the Colonel. It's like when I taught PE, I taught a lot of different subjects, too. When I taught PE, mm-hmm. when you have 300 kids in a class in their little, you know, PE outfits, and, you know, they're going to pull each other's pants down, they're going to throw rocks at each other, they're going to do all sorts of things because you're outdoors. Mm-hmm. And I'd always find the, the boy that was kind of like the kind of head bully jock guy, and I'd pull him aside, and I would stand there, and I'd say, you know, you are fantastic. You are you are utterly the leader of this class, and I really, I need you. I need you to help me. I need you to, you know, be the leader because they'll listen to you. And they get little tears in their eyes, you know. Aww. I know, and then they go out there and they take care of everyone. And I pretty much with Chuck and the Colonel, I feel like it's pull Casey aside, tell him he's the best, he's wonderful. Mm-hmm. Now take care of everyone for me. And we saw later in that episode that he really did have his feelings hurt that Sarah and Chuck went off and at him. I know. Well, he, Bless that's his heart. what I love about Casey is he is like just a big boy, you know. Mm-hmm. That was really sweet. He still had to, you know, go by the book as much as possible. But once they gave him a workaround, he was he was on board. Well, that's what I think is one of the delicacies of this show that I love so much is that everybody has there's a huge sense of loyalty. And what is the meaning of friendship and supporting each other? And exactly like you're saying, how you sort of can get around that. Because, I mean, that's, I think, something that is very important about General Beckman is you do have to have someone who is the parent, who does say, you know what, what comes first is safety. What comes first is the safety of the country. You know, Mm -hmm. I can't back down. I can can have moments where there is a kindness to a degree, not Mm -hmm. a great degree, but, you know, a, a sense of respect. But there are lines that have to be drawn. And once you set that pyramid up, that idea that everybody within the hierarchy, both in the Bymore and in, you know, the, the spy structure, have, you know, moments where they're, they're supporting the loyalty, moments where they find ways around, you know, having to toe the line that is the, the you know, I'm not saying this very well, <laughs> the, the structure. Mm-hmm. 
um, of rules. Where right. Can, yeah. But in both instances, it's really fun because once you get the structure in place, and even if it's, you know, Tony Hale, who, you know, is, again, <laughs> not the most positive influence, once you get the structure in place, then people can tiptoe around in it. Right. right. Because otherwise you have anarchy and then you have fulcrum. Exactly. Right. Although fulcrum's very well organized. They seem to be. They seem to be. Um, I, I want to ask your thoughts on them a little bit later, but first just tell us a little bit about what led you to the role of Beckman. How did you end up being um, Diane Chuckles Beckman? Well, you know, there, this is kind of an interesting, for a Beckman, <laughs> it's kind of an interesting story. First of all, she was actually originally named General Mary Beckman, mm-hmm. which I think was changed to, to Diane because it made a better delivery line for John Larroquette. Uh, and he says, hello, Diane. Gosh, that was good. Oh, he's brilliant. <laughs> but I think, hello, Mary, is probably yeah. wasn't quite as, as uh, effective. Mm-hmm. Um, honestly, I was not the first General Beckman. If you watch the pilot, that is not me. Uh, oh, that's right. I, yes. Uh, shoot. John, what is the gal's name? He played her girl. Oh, Wendy McKenna was the original Beckman. So I auditioned for General Beckman, and uh, uh, it went very well, except for for me what happened is I I walked in, and um, there was a chair in the middle of the room where you have to audition in front of the camera, and all the executive producer guys were in there. And and I said, oh, do you want me to do this sitting? And one of them said, well, you're a general. Shouldn't you decide? And being me, I got a little flustered, and I went, oh, because yeah, I don't usually come in in character. <laughs> and I went, okay. So I moved the chair, and then someone went, well, now you're blocking the fire escape <laughs> or the doorway. And I, I, I kind of felt a little half-bubble off plum, although it went very, very well. Um, now, I apparently it came down between Wendy McKenna and me, and Wendy is, is very well known for the fact that she is a fabulous actress, and she is very ballsy when she auditions for things. And I have a feeling she... she came in, uh, you know, held up for leather, and and uh, apparently, I'm friends with the casting people, it, it went back and forth and back and forth, and they, they settled on Wendy. Um, and then the pilot came up, and I'm not quite sure what happened. I think in the long run it may have been because she's actually a very attractive woman, and that's not necessarily something they were looking for in Beckman. Um, they decided to uh, let her go. And um, eccentrically enough, my husband, John Billingsley, was a series regular on the TV show called The Nine. Uh-huh. And I played his kind of ball-busting wife on that, whom he left. Uh, I, somewhere later in the – they only shot 12, 13 episodes, and they never aired all of them. In the last three episodes, he found a girlfriend, and the girlfriend happened to be Wendy McKenna. Oh, my goodness. I know. So they, they were very, they're good friends, and so she had emailed him and said, you know, I think Bonnie may end up doing this role after all. And uh, so sure enough, they uh, – they called me and they said, uh, we want you to be General Beckman. And uh, the rest is history. With, with that role, which I have to say, I feel very lucky and fortunate and very, very happy to be playing her. We're having a lot of fun watching her. We were particularly um, excited when, when she actually came out from behind the desk and, and was on site. I was, too. Believe me, it was funny because the crew is just such a wonderful group of people people and you know because for a long time I would just you know I hang out at my desk and everyone comes and hangs out with me I sort of hold hold parties over at my little <laughs> desk area um, 
when they all had read the script ahead of time, you know, where I came out, everyone would come whisper over to me, they go, Beckman's got legs. And I go, what? And they walk over to someone else, they go, Beckman's got legs. <laughs> what? And they go, you get to walk around. <laughs> it's like, woohoo. That was cool. And we also found out that she and Condoleezza Rice are buddies. I think that's interesting. I know. Now, I'm sort of bucking for the fact that, you know, maybe I think, I think, Diane is flexible, and the fact that, you know, now it's Hillary. So mm-hmm. I, I think she and Hillary may be, you know, she may be trying to, to buddy up to Hillary, too. You know, in, in the first season, there were pictures. I, you can't see the walls in my office very well, but they had uh, photoshopped me in with uh, Cheney and Bush. Awesome. Very, very funny pictures where Dick Cheney is looking at me in absolute awe <laughs> as if he just can't get enough of me. Um, but then with the new... Um, administration, I'm now in pictures with Barack Obama and Joe Biden. Nice. I know. You know, she's dedicated to her country, not a particular party. I like that. No, no, yeah. no. no. And he, as you as you notice, she, she has been sort of on Casey's uh, case, so to speak, to, to get up to speed and stop living in the, the Reagan era. Right. Yeah. That's, he needs to progress a little bit. But it, it, it is so Adam Baldwin. So. It is. <laughs> yeah. And it's a, it's a really fun part of his character, too, to see that. I know. Yeah. That it's, man is a genius, I have to say. Just watching him develop that character. If you watch the pilot and see how, he, <laughs> how he's grown and, and, you know, I get to see that the writers started writing into his just strange sense of humor that's brilliant. That, those little grunts and stuff like that, but the way his eyes flicker back and forth all the time. Oh, yeah. Huh. He is, and he can do so much with a grunt. I know. You know, he's got like 32 different grunts that all mean something different. I know. There was a point where I was going to try to see if I could weave some grunting in with, with Beckman because I do feel they're, they're so kind of like mother and son in their own bizarre way. <laughs> yeah. But there just wasn't time for that. So. <laughs> That's fine. Well, <clears throat> Speaking of the team, and you talked a little bit before about feeling like she was kind of their mother figure for them. How, what do you think Beckman actually thinks about Team Bartowski? Does she think they're a necessary headache, or does she really view them as her best team? Well, this is one of the things I think is great about the show, too, is that I think there has been a learning curve for everybody. Mm-hmm. And I, I think it's been done kind of subtly, kind of not so subtly. So I think for Beckman, if you, if you look at it, it, I think it was an unnecessary headache. In the beginning, you know, I, I think she was, I mean, that's part of why she was telling, you know, um, Casey not to get too attached to Chuck. I mean, all she wanted to do was get this intersect built and get this boy out of there. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It was like, oh, my God, why are we stuck with this supremely um, dangerous uh, setup? You know, where also initially you did have the NSA versus the CIA it was not a comfortable fit. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? You have two different um, uh, administrative powers trying to come together uh, to, to sort of handle this one, the, the intersect, which, you know, was unprecedented. And I think as you see, as it progresses, it, then it becomes the necessary headache. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, my God, well, you guys are functioning, albeit kind of limpingly, but you're, you're functioning you're continuing to get some of the, you're getting all the assignments accomplished. You just do it in these ludicrous fashions that's putting, <laughs> that's putting everyone in danger. And I think then the evolution, you know, by the end of season two is, you know, I'm starting to gain a lot of respect 
your your methods may be on a on a, on a Unorthodox, sorry, I'm not, I'm not coffee. Unorthodox, but you guys are, are in fact doing a better team job than any other team that I have, and I'm not quite sure how it's happening. And it doesn't mean that it, it's sort of assaulting my sense of the proper way to do things, but they're doing it well. And I think you can see that her respect for Chuck has grown enormously. I think so. Um, but you mentioned earlier the, um, the CIA NSA thing, and that's something Graham is. I mean, just startlingly no longer there. Uh, no, I know. It's like I guess I got lucky and, and Beckman went to the bathroom before she yeah. went to the intersect room and she had to veer off. So what's going on now? She's in charge of um, the Sarah Walker, who's not even in her organization. Yeah, I know. I think that is one of those things that, that had to be a little bit of a gray area. I think um, from a writer's standpoint, I think initially the conceit was – was to, to um, set it up so you could develop more of a competitiveness between Graham and, and Beckman. You know, you would have a little – because when we, we shot a couple of the early episodes, uh, we did shoot footage where it was, you know, the two of them sort of eyeing each other suspiciously, mm-hmm. you know, trying to override each other when they're talking. Who's got the, you know, who's actually got the upper hand here? You know, the idea maybe we'd, we would shoot stuff in his office, maybe my office. But, you know, it sort of developed, and, you know, you kind of need – for clarity's sake, one person, one person in charge, because there's just not time. I think as you see how it fleshed out, I mean, you've got all the stuff in the Bymore, all the stuff at his home, all the stuff with the spy stuff, and it's like, do you have time to add in yet another element? Sure. And I think the decision ultimately was, you know, probably not so much. And, you know, it also always factors into if you need to uh, keep your budget down. Mm -hmm. Do you need two people to do the job of one? I see. So you think it's going to remain just Beckman in charge? Um, I don't know. You know, seriously, I don't know. No one's ever mentioned anything. I, mm-hmm. I, um, again, I would say the value of bringing in someone else who, you know, if you say we need someone to be that CIA handler, mm-hmm. against my mind, you bring up the question of, well, now it's a power struggle again. Sure. And then you and- have to pursue that storyline and. Well, yeah, all of a sudden it's like, well, Beckman's been in charge. How does she feel about this new person coming in? I mean, you could just bring someone in, but what does that add? Unless you bring someone in who's trying to turn everything around, like a, like Tricia Helfer did, you know. Mm-hmm. Do you bring someone in who suddenly trying doesn't want Casey on the job anymore, someone who doesn't have the respect that Beckman's now developed for Chucker? You know, you sort of want it to bring another level. Sure. And that's, you know, of course that's possible. I have no idea what they're, what they're planning, but. No, they're. They've surprised us considerably over the last two years. I know. What's been your biggest surprise working on Chuck? That's a, a kind of – for me – do you mean really for me personally? Uh-huh. There are a couple of things. I mean, I can say on a very general note, um, my husband and I aren't big TV watchers, and what we tend to do is, is I think everyone's doing it, which is part of what's <laughs> the, the problem with network TV is we buy the DVD. And then watch this, you know, we, we, we're finishing up West Wing, for instance, finally, just because we don't have time, mm-hmm. you know. Um, what is surprising to me is I've gotten addicted to Chuck, <laughs> which is, and I'm really, you know, it's just it's funny because I was watching it from a, you know, a job standpoint. It's like, this is my work. And I did learn, you know, it's like I did want to see what works and doesn't work at the desk because this is primarily where my work is coming from. And I can tell you, I have looked at every way of swiveling your chair, glasses on, glasses off, folder on, folder open, folder closed, leaning forward, leaning back, you know, just 
She gives some movement, and I can tell you, leaning back is not good. No. It looks weak, and it looks kind of funny in the camera. It's a that good point. Gone. That was, if you ever see me doing that, that now is a very conscious choice on my part. But, you know, so I, I started watching them, and that's what I said. I fell in love with it. It's like, I mean, I and I sort of startled myself that I was looking forward to watching the show that I'm on every week. Like, oh. The other thing that I think startled me, was that there was a lot, there's been a lot of discussion about my hairdo. Oh, that's I mean, right. People taking pictures of my hairdo <laughs> on their cell phones and this is the producers and emailing each other and, you know, everybody like whether it's too high or too low, <laughs> whether it's a bun or a French twist, whether it's a little, like, can we make it a little softer? Do we need it to have the Eva Braun bangs? I mean, there was much wow. more attention paid to it than I ever expected. My goodness, I didn't know any of that was going on. No, you don't. There are a couple episodes where it got a little high. <laughs> and they well, just... actually, the, the um, head, uh, hair gal in the second season is fantastic, mm-hmm. wonderful, and I love her to pieces. She also was working, had just been working on Mad Men. Oh. So she was sort of into the swirl. Mm-hmm. So that's when my hair got a little high, mm. and they asked her to push it down a little bit. But I never expected to try to explain to executive producers the difference between a French French twist and a bun. <laughs> that must have been an interesting conversation. It was. I finally said, you know, if you take a ruler, just stick it in my hair and see you can measure how <laughs> it's a lot easier to explain. You can just see if it's three inches or an inch and a half and then decide what you want and and we'll go from there. It's amazing the level of detail that goes into every single thing. Oh, it does. They watch everything. You know, it's funny. Another thing that was actually very special to me is that um, two guys who do, like, the video portion of Chuck, which includes most of the Beckman stuff because, you know, it's it's, they tape me and then they can show it on screens and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. These two guys, about the middle of the second season, took their hiatus to try to figure out how to rig the video cameras so that I could actually work with the other actors instead of, you know, I, up until that point, I would shoot all my stuff by myself, mm-hmm. and then they would uh, put my stuff on, up on the screen for them later. And, you know, I, I personally, I think my acting improved tremendously because I couldn't, I didn't know what anyone else was doing. Mm-hmm. You know, you're reading with, like, a first AD who has no acting training or, you know, somebody who's off in a corner that you can't see, and you, you, you don't know how the series regulars are going to perform it. So I would have to be very neutral. I felt in my delivery because I would box them in. Mm-hmm. If I chose to be extremely irate in a moment, well, that would box them in to having to respond to that one. Maybe that's not where we wanted to go with the whole scene. So, you know, for me, it was hard. And then I found out for, for the other actors, it was hard too, because they couldn't extend beats and stuff because they had to work within the timing that whoever read their lines for me had brought to the table. So these guys worked really, really hard and they developed a way where I could hear them when they were in the castle and I could be projected on the screen from my desk into the castle for for them. So I would, you know, my days got a lot longer, but it was well worth it. And I think it's tremendous that those guys gave up their hiatus to figure out how to do that. It is, and it, I think it improved, like you said, it improved the quality of those interactions tremendously. Oh, well, if, I mean, it would be of no interest to anyone else. But, you know, going back and looking at them, for me, for instance, all of a sudden there's a lot more of me reacting to them. Mm-hmm. You know, beats, expressions and things like that because they fit properly. I think that's when the fans started to say, wait a second, she's starting to kind of warm up to these people. You know, she's starting to kind of 
develop a relationship and show that she's got more affection maybe for Casey than she does for Sarah. And that's, I think, when the conversations really started about, you know, this NSA versus the CIA and how come the NSA is controlling Sarah or, you know, managing Sarah. Um, and then the conversations about how does Beckman feel about Chuck? Because I think we were, that must have been what had, had happened is we were able to see that you guys were actually interacting. Yes. <laughs> and isn't that funny how that happens? I mean, that's, that's the thing is early on when you don't have, you know, it was pretty much just for me, talk as fast as you possibly can. I mean, believe me, I run my lines <laughs> day, 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 just because those are such techno babble. It's what my husband went through when he worked on Star, on Star Trek, Trek too. When you have these words that you never use in your common vocabulary and mm -hmm. then are all like F-22s, E-54s are coming down <laughs> and stuff like that. And you know that this is information that has to be delivered for the plot, you know, but you know that no one wants to spend a whole bunch of time, you know, they don't want, you don't want to see Beckman sit there and seriously think about when the F-22 is coming through and all this kind of stuff, you know, you need to spit it out, right? Mm -hmm. But when you get to have the deeper content and realize that, that she has feelings or opinions is when other people are talking. You know, right. so that ability to actually have cut back and forth because I'm actually responding because I know how they're saying their lines. I've seen it. I've been with it. As opposed to it's, you know, a lovely stand-in who has never looked at their lines before, who's <laughs> being Chuck, who's being Casey, and who's being Sarah, and reading them in one flat monotone, you know. It's like there just isn't that ability to, to start to bring that dimension that, like you said, mm -hmm. starts to have people, starts the conversation of, well, how, how, what it really is their relationship? Why does Sarah believe, you know, do what Beckman says, you know, and that kind of stuff. So, yeah. So that was extremely important to me mm -hmm. when they developed, when they, that they made that, that leap with the uh, technology. Well, I think, yeah, it must have been for you guys, and it, it certainly showed on screen. Oh, good. Yeah. Well, tell us, what do you want to see happen with or four or two Beckman in season three? Spin-off series <laughs> called Beckman, you know, where you just see her sitting in her, at her desk and she just yells at you. She just clicks in whenever she feels like it. You'd have to watch it like 24-7. <laughs> you never know when she'd suddenly be yelling at, what are you doing over there? Oh, my Go gosh. Go the house, put your clothes on. Go get a subway sandwich. No, I don't know. Um, <laughs> you know. I don't know. I mean, I certainly would like to have a little more opportunity, again, to interact with them uh, in the flesh. Mm -hmm. Just because I also, that to me is really interesting, of course, and, and um, quite fun. Um, I've thought about it a bit. I mean, one of my, my secret desires is that they, they would bring John Larroquette back and you, you get to have an episode where, like, you see why they have, like, their little fling when they were younger, like the fact that maybe Beckman actually was a pretty good spy type of, of general herself, that she actually was able to do spy stuff and fight, and so was John Larroquette, and they were a great team. And so you have this sort of middle-aged, dumpy version of, of Bryce and Sarah where they there's a moment where they have to go fight fulcrum or, or ring enemies, and they don't do it very well, like John Larroquette tries <laughs> to swing her around and <laughs> basically just knock people down by sheer dint of... I love it. I thought it would be kind of amusing. And you have them in sort of like the, the, the black spy outfits, but it kind of doesn't look quite right. You know, they're a little ill-fitting. and uh, Bring on the Spanx, right? Well, exactly. So the, it's sort of like a, 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 a nod to the, the older spy. 
um, I love and it. to their relationship. So I guess for me personally, it's a little bit more of who she might have been mm-hmm. in order. Because, you know, trolling around, trying to do my homework, I was looking up um, women who have become generals in the United States. We don't have very many of them. The first one, first two were brigadier generals, and I think it was in the early 70s. And actually during season two, they have the first, the first uh, four-star female general was uh nominated by George Bush. And, you know, the thing is, when you go online, they have, like, if you want to be a general, uh, what you need to do to get there, you know, on these different sites, you know. And the idea that you started, it it takes at least 20 years of sheer determination. And so you need to know very early on that that's where you want to go. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's such a commitment. And that this gal must have early on said, this is what I want, and I'm going to get there. And, uh, what kind of a person is that, you know, a little bit? Just sure. a little bit. I mean, I, I have to say I think a part of what I respect is the function of Beckman within the series, which is I don't think you want to have a whole lot of episodes of Beckman strolling about <laughs> doing things. I mean, uh, but, you know, I think it would be kind of interesting to see her, like, run up face-to-face with, with Captain Awesome, you know. Oh, man, there's a showdown I'd like to see. Me too, or her running into Morgan. I mean, uh-huh. <laughs> I mean, I, I thought, well, what if you ever have to have her, you know, kind of keep an eye on things herself? So you have Beckman have to do a little undercover work, you know, where she has yeah. to she has to to be like a cashier at the Orange Orange because she has to keep an eye on everybody. You know, I mean, how frightening would that be? That would be um, awesome. Or you know, I mean, I still think it's also funny if someone decides to, for instance, you know, try to take Beckman hostage. But you'd still have to do it in her office on screen. Mm-hmm. So how did they get in there? Yeah. Well, you know what, though? That leads me to what does Beckman know about the ring? Is she, I mean, does she have some knowledge where she may end up in a hostage situation? Well, you know, I think it's it's um, one of the ideas that, believe me, it, it caused me to go, ah, uh, a part of uh, apparently one of the first, very first drafts of the final episode uh, was a, a stab at having sort of an operatic montage during the wedding where various people were shot, including Beckman in the back. Uh-huh. Uh, Christina, <laughs> it means that we told them, no, the writer's room, no, you, you can't kill Beckman. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I said, thank you. <laughs> it really was supposed to be a cliffhanger. And I said, yeah, everyone was going gonna to wait for season three to see if Beckman's dead. No, <laughs> so, it's funny because all the crew were sneaking over to me going, we're glad you're still alive. And at first it was like, what? And I was like, oh, okay. So much. Um, but I think the idea is that uh, the ring obviously is is deep. They've infiltra- infiltrated a lot of different areas of the government of everything. They're everywhere. And I think um, that is actually opens up an interesting possibility to me. If suddenly you have Chuck with his now new super skills having to be more like Sydney in Alias, where he has to actually travel around. Mm-hmm. They have to go to different countries because it's everywhere. Um but, you know, my my guess, because, you know, obviously it hasn't been written into the scripts, is that Beckman is aware, very aware that th- this group is like a virus because it's multiple groups. Mm. Um, but she doesn't know where it is, and that's a part of, of trying to contain everything. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of why she isn't amused by uh, Chuck hauling off and what, you know, Casey and Sarah supporting it, it's like, you guys don't know. You don't know. I mean, it's like what happened with Casey in the the final episode of having, you know, the guy that was supposed to be his buddy 
mm. shooting everybody. Mm-hmm. I mean, you you can't. I mean, as as I, I I mean, the thing that is the the giveaway to me that that Beckman is aware is that line where she says when Casey says you don't trust me and she says I don't tr- I trust no one. So she knows that that there's a bigger threat right. than Team Chuck has been aware of. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, um, you talked a little bit in your first um, little bit that we talked to you for the Rally podcast about the, the women, the role of the women on the show. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to talk to you some more about that. And they, there are, as you said, there's so many strong female characters here. Where does that come from? Is that from the creators? Is that from the writers? Is it a combination? No, it's me. It's <laughs> and I told them, you know, I, I sat them all down in the room and I said, guys, you know, you, you guys are running a great show, but I, I think you need to have no. Um, well, obviously, Josh Schwartz and Chris Fedak, you know, really run this, the, you know, everything that goes on in the show. And that's not to say, I think you may have talked with Alison Adler, mm-hmm. uh, one of the main female writers, who I think is just phenomenal and such a strong, strong lady. I mean, that's just a joy to watch. And I'm sure, you know, she's had input. Uh, a friend of mine, Allison Liddy Brown, um, has directed a number of episodes, and she's just a strong doll too so i mean it's all within the structure but i have to say i think it is uh chris and josh and you know because it's their choice i mean they chose to have ellie the sister be a doctor they chose to have you know beckman be a woman um something i neglected to tell you before that interested me too is even the female guest stars i mean i don't know if i said this but that uh, chuck's girlfriend jill she's a scientist you know i mean she's brilliant that's true. Yeah. Lou, Lou ran a fantastically successful sandwich shop. When you see her in the shop, the guys that are working for her, those big, beefy, older guys, mm-hmm. they're working for her, and they're all, you know, her guys and, and excited for it. But, you know, she's very successful. I mean, they over and over and over again, the women in the show are strong. Mm-hmm. There's not any kind of dippy airhead in there at all. We can only hope for, for if Jeff ever does get a girlfriend, what she might look like. I mean, even the hookers that they, the hookers, the strippers that they brought in, uh-huh. I thought they were fantastic. The ones that were Jeff's sister uh-huh. and the other two. I mean, those gals were actually really fun to look at and really fun to watch, and I thought they did a fantastic job, too. They did. And you're right. It is. That That is amazing. That is. That they, helper, I, I mean, how much stronger can he I get? <laughs> That's. Yeah, that's very, very cool. Very. So, cool. I, so I don't think it's like accidental. Um, and I think it, it is. It, it, it's something that makes me very happy. You know, I was thinking about it too. I mean, you do realize that that one of the huge themes of the show too is what is your job, what is your occupation, and how much do you believe in what you do. Mm. That's true. It's one of those few shows where everybody has a job. Yes. <laughs> Even if it's the buy more, everybody, their work is incorporated into the, the plot of the show as well. That's true. This is, it really is a unique show once you start really breaking down the elements. That's what I think. That's why, you know, it, it, that's what I meant about, you know, I think that's why I think families do enjoy watching it is because there is, it, it is very much about, Oddly enough, they've managed to, to round out people's lives. I mean, you do know who everybody's parents is or are. You, you, mm-hmm. You've met Morgan's mom. You've met, you know that, that Jeff's mom is in prison. <laughs> you, I mean, down to the smallest detail, you, you, people have relationships in this show. 
And I don't know how they pack it into 40 minutes or 42 minutes, whatever it is. They are pros with the throwaway lines. You know, like during um, Santa Claus, when there's the hostage situation at the Buy More, we have less than a minute and we find out that Casey calls his mom and she calls him Johnny Boy. You know, that's when we find out where Jeff's mom is. And we just find out all this little stuff. And, and uh, just as, you know, they can pack it all into 60 seconds. It's amazing. I know, I know. I, I, it's it, that's that's really good writing. That's trusting that you know you'll get it. Mm-hmm. You don't have to hammer it. You just you just pop it in there, and all of a sudden it's part of the the story. It's part of the the Bible of of the characters and of the show. Yeah. I still I'm still really always amused that Jeff has drinking dance. I. <laughs> I'm just amused by Jeff in general. <laughs> I know okay. he's also the dearest dearest guy. He I've is. Got. I did. Oh, yeah. I got to talk with Scott um, a few months ago, and he was he was a lot of fun. He's and boy, that guy's got a lot going on. He does. Yeah, he's a busy guy. I'm glad. Yeah. Well, another thing that the fans got a huge kick out of was learning that you're married to John Billingsley. <laughs> and and uh, you know, it seems like Chuck is is a show for Star Trek expatriates because we've it got. Is, we were just at SegCon in Germany. Oh, yeah. Uh, last weekend, boy, that was tiring, um, but fun, very fun. And uh, Robert Picardo, Bob Picardo was there, uh-huh. and we were discussing that because, you know, he guested mm-hmm. on Chuck, and and, uh, and actually we are good friends with, with Scott Bakula, so that was just a hoot to have him on there. And I don't know if I mentioned to you, the first AD this season, Dave Trotty, was uh, the first AD for, I think, at least the last three Star Trek uh series and definitely on on enterprise with john and then uh, the special effects the head of special effects for chuck this season is dan curry who's the head of special mm-hmm. effects for star trek so yeah it's a it is it's a whole family there yeah and of course robert duncan oh, robert, McNeil. yeah robbie duncan McNeil. that's great for star trek fans like me every time their names come up we're like yay <laughs> I know, and actually, I, I just have to say, Robbie is so talented. I mean, he's such a talented actor, mm-hmm. you know, but the fact that he can be supervising producer, run everything so well, and he's a, he's a terrific director. It's just, I think it's just wonderful. Yeah. Well, how did you and John meet? You mentioned before that you he came down to L.A. before and you met in theater? I know we met on Santa Monica Boulevard. Oh. Um, I was wearing a lot of makeup. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> hey, did you hear that from down there? <laughs> I get to say from downstairs, he heard that. <laughs> well, as the mythology of meeting my dear husband, whom I love very, very much because I'm very lucky, um, we met in 1998. Uh, he'd been down here for a few years. Uh, I grew up here. And uh, first, I had seen, the first time I saw him, I saw a, a, call, a play called Great Expectations at A Noise Within. He played Herbert Pocket. And I just thought he was the best thing in the play. And I, I went up to tell him so afterwards and in my mythology he was so interested in going out afterwards that he didn't pay any attention to me so <laughs> he just walked out off and said fine and then, then we ran into each other doing like acting workshops because we were both trying to figure out how to get a tv and film career mm-hmm. and then uh one one evening my dear friend bruce Wheeland uh said said leaned over to me at dinner and said do you know a guy named john billingsley and i said oh yeah he's a great actor and he said you should go out with him I went, really he said, yeah, I met him this morning, and you guys would get along really well. Hmm. And so a couple of days later, I was going to a commercial audition, and it was about 5 in the evening, and John was walking by to put money in the meter for his car because he was at the exact same commercial audition. 
And he says that I did some sort of little wink wink at him, or I they <laughs> smiled in a fetching way, or so. I don't. I just said hi, in my my story. But um, <laughs> so we walked back to the commercial audition, and it was so backed up that we sat there for three hours, and he had a date that night. So I got. We, I went into this lengthy thing about how I thought dating was hard on people. I didn't believe in dating. I'd been married before and, and uh, had been divorced, which he had too. And I was like, oh, I can't believe how you date people. They could be axe murderers and all this kind of <laughs> stuff. And so as he was leaving, he turned around to me and he said, can I have your phone number? Just don't think of it as a date. <laughs> so I gave him my phone number, which I'd never done before to anyone. And he broke up with that gal. He says he broke up with her the next day. Really, he broke up with her that night, and then he mm-hmm. called me a couple days later. Wow. And That's so was, sweet. It is sweet. We it won't tell him that. but Oh, he sweet. knows. I tell okay. him it all the time. Okay. And, um, no, but he's, he's just, he's wonderful. It sounds like he is. He is. He's a sweetheart. Yeah. Well, what's it like being married for two, two busy actors? Because yeah. he's popping up all over the place, too. He pops up everywhere. It's really weird when he, like, is working. Sometimes uh, I actually do go turn on TV because I'm bored at, like, 11 o'clock at night. And inevitably, he pops up on a show. <laughs> like, what are you doing there? <laughs> it's John. It's John on Grey's Anatomy. John on Prison Break. John on... Um, well, frankly, we are character actors, though. Mm-hmm. And character actors don't work as much as other people. <laughs> so, you know, we, we're we lucky that way. I mean, I think it must be really, really hard when you're both actors and, you know, you have to make these agreements to see each other every two weeks or, you mm-hmm. know, because neither one of us travel. We don't usually aren't traveling at the same time or anything like that. And, I mean, I have to say, it, it, I think in its own right, you know, if you have full-time jobs, mm-hmm. two people with full-time jobs, I mean, by and large, you don't get to see each other, you know, all day long. Right. If you're lucky, you get to see each other at night. I mean, we tend to be in each other's hair. You know, off and on, at least a couple days a week. You know, mm-hmm. and with actors, there you may work a lot, but then there will be periods where you don't work a lot. So you actually may spend a lot of time with each other, <laughs> and then no time because when when things air too, and I'm you're very savvy, I'm sure you know this. When things air, they may air all at once, mm-hmm. but it doesn't mean you didn't have a month in between when you shot them. Right. So the the dynamics are are time wise slightly different. That being said, you know it's it's lovely because we do understand each other's work. We do understand each other's hours, which I think can be hard for other people. Um, I do understand when John is working on True Blood and he's uh, rolling on the ground making out with a woman that actually I run into at auditions all the time, but it's not real. <laughs> and then I can I'll meet her at an audition soon this year and be, be able to say, "Oh, you were naked with my husband recently," <laughs> and it's it's fine. Um, but oddly enough, the, the, one of the more difficult things is John just did a play at the Pasadena Playhouse called Mauritius, and uh, it had been a while since he had done a play. And uh, the hours on that are much worse. I mean, actually, oh, yeah. I think Matthew Broderick, someone was quizzing him, or, or James Gandolfini or something about doing a show on Broadway, and those are the eight show weeks and stuff. And he said, you know, it's just too hard time-wise. You never get to see your family. Mm-hmm. Um so that was actually, I felt lonelier than I have in a long time Yeah. while he was doing that play. But otherwise, it's fun. Yeah. <laughs> it sounds like you guys have fun with each other. Just we mess the... with each other. I have to admit, when we we're at FedCon, <laughs> we tend to do the question and answers together now because I heckle him. Oh, nice. I think so, too. And the, this one, I'm not quite sure how it came about, but John ended up coming on stage in his underpants. <laughs> 
He's, he, he, we're, we'll do anything for a laugh. It was late at night. We were doing a show for, for 4,000 Germans at 1030 at night. So it's uh-huh. like, you know what? We want to give you something you'll never forget. So we spent a good portion of, of our question and answer with me pulling his pants up while he kept dropping them and uh-huh. me putting them on backwards and and things like that. So we, we are not serious. No. <laughs> Kids are nutty. I love I mean, it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the fans also really got a kick out of your story um, about everybody gathering outside and freaking out the tour group. You know, I mean, I can't imagine having been on that. I've been on the Warner Brothers tour a couple of times, and I've never seen anything like that. <laughs> no, I know. Like, you're lucky if you get sort of like a long-distance shot of somebody. You go, oh, that's so-and-so. Yeah. But to have them all standing out there, just I just thought it was very funny. And the fact that, that Zach was like two feet from them going, yes, this really is me. You know, mm-hmm. like, oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. Well, I start texting. Like, start texting. Well, I know, I know. Well, I was kind of like startled when John Stamos was coming over there, hanging out with Scott Bagwell. This is getting a little weird over here. Yeah. Uh, do you have any other behind-the-scenes stories that you'd like to share? I just have to say, a when you're working with Zach and Yvonne and uh, Adam. There's a lot of singing that tends to go on, and it's it's kind of uncontrollable. And actually, a number of the the guys on the crew love rock and roll music too. So at any given moment, you may have the entire crew and those three rocking rocking out in front of you, and then action, and everyone shuts up, and it's it's pretty screamingly funny. They also it's like Zach's always singing. I think you you've heard that he has a mm-hmm. really good voice to begin with. But not only is he always doing strange accents and puttering around. Things just come out of his mouth. It's like, what? Did you really say that? But it's contagious. So all of a sudden, Adam starts doing it, and then Yvonne starts doing it, and all of a sudden you have the three of them, like, singing at the top of their lungs. Right when I have to speak, man. Of course. Like, thanks, guys. Um, and the other thing I would like to say is Adam Baldwin, he he likes, he's very much into guns and, and uh, anything military. Mm-hmm. He knows a lot about it. So he's always, and I appreciate it. He likes to instruct me on the finer points of saluting, and they all do. All the guys are like, that's a lame salute. Um, <laughs> and uh, uh, so he also keeps great note about the different areas where we're supposed to have soldiers fighting and stuff like that. And in the final episode, you will notice that I say something about him going back to Waziristan. Uh-huh. Well, at the last moment, I was supposed to be saying he was going to Bosnia, and uh, when they were shooting my, my stuff, he, he was like, no, 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 it's got to be Waziristan. And it's like, you really want me on the fly to say Waziristan. <laughs> but now I can say, but when you're nervous and you're trying to get this stuff out, it's like you've learned Bosnia in the middle of a big paragraph. It's like, really? And I was like, okay, I'll do it. And it's funny because he had to do uh, some sort of a move where he got a gun or something like that and move on my line Waziristan. Mm-hmm. I could not get it out. I would get to that, and my eyes would cross, and I'd be like, and by the end of, like, the 12th take, he was like, I know he was cursing himself. It was like, why? Why? And I know. I was sitting there going, why couldn't it have been Bosnia? Why couldn't it have been Bosnia? So he was hoisted on his own. uh, Petard. Zeristan Petard, yeah. Awesome. Oh, well, it sounds like you get a lot of joy out of acting, but what do you do outside of acting? What are your hobbies? Nothing. I sit in the closet and I rock back and forth. Yeah, until you can report to yeah, the set? John, John lets me out. He, he slides pieces of paper under the 
door that say, honey, you've got a job next week, or <laughs> do you want something to eat? Or, um, Well, this is an interesting thing. I, I uh, Well, first of all, I love my cats. They shouldn't be in a hobby. They are my wife, but other than my husband, but I'm going to have to go on a little bit because I have to take my, my girl kitty. Yeah. But, um, that, um, I'm doing, a, a friend is doing like a sort of short uh, vampire thing. I'm not quite sure what it is. It's, it's part of a webisode series that um, some stunt guys have developed uh, called, I think it's called The Hunting. I'm not, I'm not sure. But uh, she's, she's a friend. She wrote the episode. She's directing it, and she asked me to play like a sort of vampire politician gal. Mm-hmm. Who, in the middle of it, starts doing getting in a sword play with a sword fight with these guys and gets killed. Mm-hmm. And of course, I love all that kind of stuff. So I said, "Oh, sure," because also I get to work with these um, two stunt gentlemen who are like the top in their field. Uh, one of them, for instance, uh, taught Catwoman how to Michelle Pfeiffer how to use a bullwhip. In uh, in Catwoman, I was like, "Oh my God!" So I started. Um, I took a little bit of fencing when I was in college, but I'm learning how to use a rapier right now. Huh. And uh, the thing is, is I was looking online at, at the videos of, of what one of these guys, Anthony, uh, has done with the bull whip and with sword fighting and all this kind of stuff. And, and he actually does teach classes at his ranch and, and using whips. So I think I'm going to start taking learning how to use a bull whip. Well, that, would be, that would be kind of cool. Yeah, that'd be very cool. And I could see Beckman using a whip. I think that might be kind of cool if she could use a whip, don't you think? Yeah. She'd definitely have to be out from behind the desk. Uh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Otherwise, it would you just sort of see things falling down from the shelves of her office, <laughs> and she'd get tangled up in her own chair and fall out of it. Um, but uh, I'm just sort of lame. I love, I, I love all sorts of kind of stunt fighting and things like that. And, and I studied dance when I was younger, and I've been a friend of mine uh, wanted me to be a Pilates guinea pig for her. Because she was, she started learning to teach Pilates about a year and a half ago, and she's really fantastic. So I've gotten hooked on that. So mm. you know, it's not like I'm into like athletic things. I just find all of this as I'm getting older too. In particular, it keeps my my legs from freezing up, mm-hmm. so that when I get out of bed, I don't fall down. Yeah, which was starting to happen to me. Um, <laughs> and Johnny and I love to travel. A lot of that, I think, is has come out of doing the Star Trek conventions. Quite frankly, mm. I mean. You get to go to the most unusual places that you would never ever think of going. Yeah. So we've we've sort of gotten a you know we've been to some of the most strangest places <laughs> in the, the United States, and then we make little side trips you know from there. And we've been to New Zealand, which is fantastic. Mm. We've been to Australia a number of times now. That is in awesome. London. So we've kind of uh, gotten very interested in that, and, and I'm trying to learn how to garden, but I still I just kill everything. <laughs> the black thumb. Yeah, and actually it's been really hard, particularly this year, because it's getting so hot. Mm-hmm. It's like I planted my plants, when you're, the flowers and stuff, when you're supposed to because it's spring, and then we had a heat wave, and I walked outside, and everybody had, they were lying down on their sides. <laughs> yeah. Looking at me sadly saying, I, I can't do this. So, But I'm going to learn. I'm going to get better. All right. Well, you're in a great place to learn gardening, for sure. Yes, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Well, are you involved with any charities, or do you have any other projects that we can promote for you? Well, actually, John and I are deeply involved in, in right now, one particular charity. We, John was on the board for six years, and I was on the board for three, and it's called the AIDS Service Center. Mm-hmm. Um, it's based in Pasadena. My brother um, died of AIDS uh, oh. about 18 years ago now, and he was my best friend, and I loved him so much. And, you know, that was that was in the uh, in 1980. 
And we're back. Oh, boy, she is a sweetie. She really is. She's such a doll. I had such a good time talking to her. She's yeah. a lot of fun, isn't she? Mm-hmm. And yeah. I love that she kept including her husband in the conversation. <laughs> oh, yeah. Could well, hear. I'm, I'm a big fan of his, too. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So they, That would be a fun joint interview sometime, but it really was a treat to get to, to uh, talk with her about Chuck and, and her views on the show and her character and all of that. So. Yeah. I love that she's a fan. That's oh, what I absolutely. Love she's a fan. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Well, we're going to wrap things up. Um, we, d- we do want to remind everybody that we have an email list that you can um, receive updates about new podcast releases and also about voting. And if you want to sign up for that, just send an email to mail at chuckpodcast.com and make sure that in the, um, in the subject line you put notify. All right. That's right. And while you're over at Podcast Alley, why don't you take a moment and vote for us and leave some comments. We love to read your comments, your thoughts about the podcast, about the show, about characters. Go ahead and leave your comments. Um, voting puts us at number one, makes us your number one Chuck podcast, which we all know that, you know, you think that we are. <laughs> <laughs> and um, iTunes, visit us at iTunes. And um, let's keep going. Let's keep going with Chuck. That's right. We hope to see you at the next Chuck Me Monday. Be sure to stop by ChuckTV.net for all the details on that. And I also want to give a quick mention about the Chuck You Tuesday fan cast that um, some of the gang over at ChuckTV.net have produced. The first one is available now, and you can find more information about that at ChuckTV.net as well. Very cool. And I do want to mention that um, if you're curious about when we'll be releasing over the hiatus, uh, we've been talking about it, and we're thinking about probably once every three or four weeks, just because there won't be a lot of news necessarily going on. It'll be more frequent if we happen to land more frequent interviews or if there's fan events to cover. So it may vary, but we do intend to at least produce one a month because we know you miss Chuck. That's right. And uh, we do want to also mention that Comic-Con is coming up next month and Liz and I will be there along with Sisk J from ChuckTV.net covering the panel and all the goodies that they have in store for us. So keep an eye out for that as well. Cool. So we're going to leave you with our funky music. (laughs) We'll see you next time and a shout out to Vern and the boys. Take care, guys. Bye-bye. We have an email list that you can um, receive updates about new podcast releases and also about voting. And if you want to sign up for that, just send an email to mail at chuckpodcast.com and make sure that in the um, in the subject line you put notify. All right. That's right. And while you're over at Podcast Alley, why don't you take a moment and vote for us and leave some comments. We love to read your comments, your thoughts about the podcast, about the show, about characters, go ahead and leave your comments. Um, Voting puts us at number one, makes us your number one Chuck podcast, which we all know that, you know, you think that we are. (laughs) (laughs) And um, iTunes, visit us at iTunes. And um, let's keep going. Let's keep going with Chuck. That's right. We hope to see you at the next Chuck Me Monday. Be sure to stop by ChuckTV.net for all the details on that. And I also want to give a quick mention about the Chuck You Tuesday fan cast that um, some of the gang over at ChuckTV.net have produced. The first one is available 
now, and you can find more information about that at checktv.net as well. Very cool. And I do want to mention that um, if you're curious about when we'll be releasing over the hiatus, uh, we've been talking about it, and we're thinking about probably once every three or four weeks, just because there won't be a lot of news necessarily going on. It'll be more frequent if we happen to land more frequent interviews or if there's fan events to cover. So it may vary, but we do intend to at least produce one a month because we know you miss Chuck. That's right. And uh, we do want to also mention that Comic-Con is coming up next month and Liz and I will be there along with Sisk J from ChuckTV.net covering the panel and all the goodies that they have in store for us. So keep an eye out for that as well. Cool. So we're going to leave you with our funky music. <laughs> we'll see you next time and a shout out to Vern and the boys. Take care, guys. Bye-bye. <laughs>